Welcome to another episode of Cross-Section, the official podcast of the Section on Neonatal Perinatal Medicine of the American Academy of Pediatrics. The neonatal section represents more than 3,500 neonatologists and clinicians who are committed to caring for the nation's smallest and most vulnerable patients. In Cross-Section, we hear firsthand from some of those individuals about their work. Hi, John Zapanzik here. The AAP is arguably the single most respected voice speaking on behalf of children in our country today. Members of the section on neonatal perinatal medicine lend their expertise to pediatric advocacy that involves newborns and their families. In this week's episode, we talk with two individuals who have given a great deal of thought to how we can best speak for babies. Haley Friedman and Ashley Luck are both members of the executive committee of the Trainees and Early Career Neonatologists Group, or TCAN, within the section. Haley is a third-year fellow at Tufts Medical Center in Boston and has an abiding interest in neonatal abstinence syndrome. Ashley is a past president of the AAP's section on medical student, residents, and fellow trainees, and a senior fellow at Baylor College of Medicine. Welcome, Haley and uh, Ashley. Thank you. Thank you so much. You, you've both been tasked with with getting advocacy rolling for the um, TCAN group in, in the section. Can we start by just chatting a little bit about uh, what, you, what you think uh, advocacy means for TCAN and for the section? What does it, or what does it mean to you? Sure, and thank you so much, Dr. Zapancic, for having us today. We're really excited to share um, our experiences and ideas with you and the section. Um, so just to start off, from, from my perspective, advocacy really sets the tone and is truly the core for my motivation uh, as a pediatrician. I feel like it drives my everyday interaction with patients, colleagues, as well as the community. Um, I don't think we have one moment of our day as physicians where we aren't advocating for our patients and also our colleagues and the, the network that we work within. I think it really, advocacy provides a genuine foundation to everything that we do, um, and it, it truly amplifies my experience as a, as a medical provider. What about you, Ashley? I totally agree. Advocacy to me is like really a time where I recharge as a physician, as a person, um, as a parent who's connecting with another parent, and I, I think on an emotional level, on a like soul revitalizing sort of way, you know, when it's been a really tough week, when you've had some really sad cases, when you can make a huge difference for a family, I think it just puts everything back in perspective. It's like a really nice sort of counterpoint to some of the, the hard parts of yeah. medicine. I, I agree with you, Ash. We're both really appreciative of the, you know, additional dimension that it has added to our everyday life. I find it really um, interesting, this perspective, because I, I, I think for many people, when many of my colleagues, when we start talking about advocacy, they think about it in the in the biggest possible sense, you know, the sort of work that, that the AAP or the AMA is doing around health policy. And for some people, I think that's probably a little bit intimidating. What you're talking about when you speak of advocacy is is really making it a core part of what you what you do in your interaction with, with patients and a, and a local community, and then and then the bigger picture, um, the bigger community as well, um, regionally or nationally. Absolutely. I, I think absolutely. advocacy yeah. happens every day. I mean, advocacy happens at the bedside when you fight for your family to get a room at the Ronald McDonald House that night when it was full. Advocacy is when you get that patient plugged into PT and OT services because you make the extra phone call. 
Um, it's when you meet with the OBMFM to talk about how can we get this mom plugged into a methadone abuse clinic. And here's a resource about, you know, this great um, parenting session that's going on. I mean, all of those things are advocacy. We're doing it all the time. People just mm-hmm. don't really exactly. take that moment to say, oh, right now you are actually doing advocacy. It's just a natural part of what we do as, as doctors, as pediatricians. I completely agree with what Ashley's saying. And I think with all of that, with our experience every day and over the years of training and living in different cities and interacting with different communities, that is what really serves as a foundation for action in the, you know, in a community level, state level or federal level. I, I think the the more in touch you are with your community, the stronger your voice can be, um, you know, within the setting of the larger picture of, say, federal health policy. How did you each get in, involved in this area? How did you um, start developing your, your interests in, in advocacy? Um, Ash, Ashley, let me start with you. The benefit now, I think, is that advocacy is sort of being interwoven into training for pediatrics. Um, there's a lot of residency programs now that have advocacy rotations or dedicated training time for residents to really learn about advocacy and and become um, sort of uh, like enveloped into the community and, and projects that are going on. Well, I would love to say that that's how I got involved. It was actually as a medical student. Um, we had like a charitable fundraiser at my medical school to help raise money for um, a similar organization to like Make-A-Wish or um, Dreams Come True. And so that was sort of my first beginnings of it. And then it just sort of developed throughout my involvement in the American Academy of Pediatrics, really. That was sort of my sounding board. And so from as a med student, I moved into the section on pediatric trainees. I got involved in the annual advocacy campaigns there about um, immunizations, firearm injury, obesity prevention, and then ultimately the I think the one that people have um, remembered from when I was there the most is the Face Poverty Campaign, which went on for two years. So, I mean, that's sort of the organized way that I've done advocacy, but I mean, the stuff that really I remember that stayed with me has been the stuff that doesn't go on a CV or a resume. It's just what you do at the bedside every day. Mm-hmm. Those are really the, the things that keep it fueled. Yeah. So I I always love hearing Ashley's story and mine is mine is quite similar. I you know also as a kid, you know, grew up uh doing a lot of volunteer work uh in my community ultimately with a lot of interest in community health and um health policy issues as I went, you know, through high school and into college. I was ultimately a political science major. Um granted had a, you know, inherent core interest to take care of children and, and become a pediatrician. Um, so with that, when I entered medical school, I participated in Washington, DC, I participated in a health policy track, uh, sort of mini curriculum that paralleled the medical school curriculum. I ultimately was able to be introduced to the AAP uh, through an externship that I completed, I think in my second year of medical school, uh, where I had the chance to intern in the federal affairs office, you know, at a very early phase of my career, uh, sit side by side with the lobbyists um, in the department. This is the AAP Federal Affairs Office, is that right? Yes, exactly. Yes, the AAP Federal Affairs uh, Office. And at that time, they sent me into the community to attend local organization meetings and attend Senate hearings uh, featuring pediatricians from all over the country testifying on the behalf of the AAP as well as their communities. Uh, and hearing their voices was incredibly inspiring. And I 
truly was inspired to hopefully one day develop my own voice within the setting of you know children's health and policy and with that uh, you know experience in the AAP I as similar to Ashley maintained involvement as a medical student as a resident uh, and now here we are both of us today in our final year of specialty training together um, you know, representing our district uh, in from the setting of the you know neonatology community. So, it has been an incredibly fulfilling experience, and I know both of us are really excited to proceed with the next steps. So, so you both mentioned um, some pro uh, uh, respective programs in the AAP um, that that allowed you to develop skills and that allowed you to um, contribute to pediatric health. One. One was the section on pediatric trainees, um, Ashley, that, that you described, and, that, and that's been, you know, a, a very, very successful um, uh, uh, program. Um, can you can you tell us a little bit about how how they do their work and how we might be able to steal shamelessly from from their approach? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, you know, luckily I was involved for seven, eight years, I think, and I saw it really sort of evolve over time started out as just a group of enthusiastic trainees saying, oh, yeah, let's make a letter template to write to uh, school principals about healthy lunches. And then that sort of evolved into, you know, face poverty involved things from the institution, community, hospital, state, and ultimately national federal levels. And so I think um, everybody has different areas of advocacy that they feel comfortable with. Some people want to do something just in their hospital. Some people want to do something maybe with a local community partner. And others really feel um, that what is best for them is to go and speak with a legislative um, representative or, or senator or write an op-ed. Maybe they're, you know, more of a uh, an author. Um, they're gifted with, you know, better writing skills. And so whatever type of campaign that gets put together, I think the keys are making sure that it's applicable to people all across the country. The other top um, point of it, I think, that makes a, a successful campaign, other than a topic that's widespread needs attention, is to have different levels of involvement and examples of how people can get involved. And, and a lot of times, I think a successful campaign will equally target all of them and give people ideas. In, in getting involved in something like the Pediatric trainees section on pediatric trainees is is that's available to anybody um, from med student med, medical school all the way up is that correct? True, and I mean they're encouraged to get their attendings, their preceptors, their faculty, um, physicians, anyone they interact with involved in these sort of events. And so, um, yeah. for example, one of the things we did when I was a resident in Dallas at um, University of Texas Southwestern was when we did the firearm injury campaign, we created a epic smart phrase that went into every well child check visit to help guide the attendings and how to discuss firearms in the home. And there was like some key questions that they asked. And so that became widespread. You get some enthusiastic trainees together and it just kind of takes over the exactly. world slowly. Exactly, <laughs> and you know, Ash, I, myself as a resident, uh, even as a medical student, but mainly as a resident, when I was able to attend my first AAP national conference representing my program, I would have to say feeling, being in a room with however many hundreds of residents were there for the first time, you know, discussing these campaigns, sharing ideas, and really sensing that excitement and enthusiasm, I think for a lot of us, that really sort of triggers our 
desire to continue moving forward within the organization and participating in advocacy. Um, and I just actually got an email uh, yesterday from them. This is one example of the many resources that the section on pediatric trainees provides um, an ABCs of advocacy for trainees hosted by the AAP senior director of advocacy communication. Um, Jamie Poslowski, this is going to be on October 25th, um, easily accessible resource for really anyone in any level of training or anyone in the AAP for that matter. Um, mm -hmm. That's just one example, I think, in addition to what, what Ashley was sharing of the numerous very accessible resources that the AAP has for everyone, no matter what your level of interest is or wherever you see yourself fitting in. There really is a place and a role for every single one of us in advocacy. Now, since you um, re referred to that, is there a particular um, w website that those resources can be accessed on on, on AMP for, a AAP for people who are listening, Haley? Or? Yeah, um, on AAP.org, yeah, there's mm -hmm. um, a section uh, where the section on pediatric trainees website is. Mm -hmm. And they actually maintain a site that has all of the past advocacy campaigns and all of their resources. There's a lot of stuff on AAP.org under the Federal Affairs website, under yep. the section on pediatric trainees website. If, you know, whoever's listening, if you're a trainee or if you work a lot with trainees and want to get something going. With all of these resources that we're sharing, in addition to what we're working on, I, I think we're really hoping that everybody will, will feel more comfortable. Um, the AAP Federal Affairs website has an incredible amount of resources to sort of start learning and expanding on uh, just the issues that are out there in children's health at this time. And uh, I think that's always a good place to start. Uh, they have great fact sheets about uh, the current issues with children's healthcare coverage. And uh, I'm sure soon enough we'll have more about CHIP. So I think a lot of us just need a place to begin and some some pearls uh, and, and their website has a great amount of resources for that. So a lot of it is geared towards the general pediatrician or the person who's in an outpatient practice. I, I think everyone who's passionate finds a way to mold it. Yeah, so just let's talk about that for a second. Uh, what about neonatology in particular? I think in general the academy is trying to build up is how to be an advocate in a subspecialty. One of the things that Haley and I um, are really excited about is this idea of sort of forging the front with our section on neonatal perinatal medicine to create neonatal specific advocacy resources. Um, we would, you know, our, our dream would be to have a toolkit that's for the subspecialist, similar to how they have a toolkit for, um, a, you yeah. know, an, anyone in any specialty. And then for anyone who's planning to come to the workshop on perinatal pediatrics in 2018. That's the spring workshop in Scottsdale, um, it held in March of, of March or April of each year. Yes. Yeah. And so this year, Haley and I are working with the um, Committee on Federal and State Government Affairs, as well as Mark Del Monte. Mark Del Monte is the uh, vice president of, of the American Academy of Pediatrics, but also has been a, a key point person in our in our um, Washington Federal Affairs office for many years. So he, he'll be available at the at the spring workshop along with you to, to basically undertake some skill building for anyone who's interested. We hope to share that um, at the conference. And, and hopefully get more ideas from people to keep building on it. So this is a, that's a good segue. So so you you were saying that you know there are resources in the AP proper, um, but that but that uh, channeling those through the uh, 
in the service of the particular interests of a, of a subspecialty like neonatology requires some uh, local work essentially so presumably it's a it's the same skill set but a but a different focus for for your efforts um, so how are you you're doing some skill building um, at the uh, at the spring workshop uh, how else can the section help you or how else do you see working within the section to to achieve um, uh, change within our specialty you know Haley and I are actually working on it's uh, not been formally released to the public but this could perhaps be our our uh, formal First announcement debut. of what's to come. <laughs> All those <laughs> listening are getting a sneak peek, but uh, we are working on launching what um, we hope to be the first sort of TCAN birth section on neonatal perinatal medicine national advocacy campaign. And we've been meeting with our TCAN colleagues um, and under the direction of Dr. Tom Parker, Dr. Linda Van Marder, and Dr. Heather Burris have selected the topic of neonatal abstinence syndrome, which is ne most near and dear, I think, of anyone I know to Haley's heart. <laughs> I, <think laughs> I can expand on that. Breathes, yeah, <laughs> she just breathes neonatal abstinence syndrome advocacy. Um, and so we are working on um, collecting resources, putting together a nice sort of campaign slogan, things like that probably some propaganda for people to wear around at meetings and on their white coats. Um, but so we, we hope to launch that. And I think that it would be great to have the section just sort of be the sounding board. So for you that. foresee taking the same um, approach, Ashley, um, that, that the section on pediatric trainees has taken in, in that the um, uh, um, neonatal perinatal uh, section would take on one campaign for a one to two year period and then and then the topic of that campaign would 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 change kind of uh, regularly and it would be the the, the focus for folks um, efforts is that right I think that would be awesome now granted the section on pediatric trainees is about 15 years in running with campaigns so we're in our infancy but um, <laughs> I, I think we hope to take the knowledge we gained from those campaigns when we were med students and residents, yeah. and then to sort of build it into our section. Great, great model. The bottom line is that the purpose of this campaign is twofold. One, to engage our members, and two, to bring awareness. You know, we may come across some bumps in the road, but at the end of the day, our goal is really to bring the very, um, you know, public policy, all the way down to community level issues of neonatal abstinence syndrome that are really reaching every single one of us in our practice, no matter where in the country you are, to the forefront of the minds of our of our the members of our neonatal section. Um, I think if if we can get everyone talking about it, sharing information with each other, reaching out to their patients more regularly than they they may often do you know, creating new structure within their divisions or institutions to improve everything from, you know, prenatal consultation to increased uh, social work attention to better outcomes for discharge home. All of these things are so important to us as neonatologists. This issue breaks boundaries to the general pediatricians as well. This is something that is relatable. This is something that is relevant. Um, and I think we'll be talking a lot, unfortunately, talking a lot about the opioid epidemic over the next few years in this country. So 
if anything, our goal is to just bring our group together and educate ourselves and those around us to make a difference in the lives of our patients. Um, so I think we're both really looking forward to doing that and having the support of the section um, as well as the AEP as a whole is crucial to be for us to move forward with this project. I think the AEP in general has been very successful, hasn't it, in, in, in doing exactly what you described, which is shining a spotlight on important issues and then uh, that, that otherwise wouldn't, wouldn't bubble to the surface. Um, Karen Remley, um, the, the CEO, is, uh, has said several times you know, that our, our mantra should be be first, be right, and be credible. And, and I think that's been incredibly effective for campaigns like vaccines in the broader, in the broader sense. So you're, you're thinking about doing the same thing around NAS. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we, we have some work to do, but in the end, uh, really do hope we can, can engage everyone and continue to make a difference. Very good. I, I, this is certainly timely as, as we uh, con consider the federal government potentially declaring this particular uh, area an emergency, um, a public health emergency. And, um, and, and I love the, the um, specific approach that, that underlies your de description of this, which is around the transitions of care between, um, be between maternal, um, fetal, and um, neonatal, and then the transition to, um, from, from the hospital to home. I think those are always um, vulnerable points of care Absolutely. and it sounds like you've specifically targeted those for action and it's very interesting. Yes and that's something that as a group we've all spoken a lot about you know this campaign we we went through so many different question and answer sessions but at the end it's for the provider but it's also for the patient and and family so I think as we yeah. move forward and putting it together we'll hopefully have a little bit more clarity as to what materials we will be able to provide but again it's to really engage everyone to improve those transitions. Fantastic. Well, we'll, we'll look forward to um, ha having you back very soon um, when, when we can uh, for formally launch your program instead of giving people little hints. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for, for being with us today. Thank you. And Dr. Zapanzik, we could not be more appreciative of the support you have uh, provided us um, as the chair of the section. And we are really looking forward to working with everyone. Absolutely. Thank you guys all so much for listening and engaging in Thank advocacy you. as a neonatologist.